Hello, I'm Kerry Lunigan. Welcome to The Weekly Grill, brought to you by Beef Central and Alenco Animal Health. Today, our guest is a bloke largely responsible for building the Angus cattle breed to what it is today. It is the dominant breed across southern Australia, and that's all come about in the past three or four decades. The responsible is the retiring Chief Executive Officer of Angus Australia, Peter Parnell. Peter, welcome. Thank you, Kerry. Nice to be here. Now, you head a remarkably successful breed society. What's the single most important influence on the Angus success story? Yeah, it's very difficult to identify a single um, thing, Kerry, because there's been a, you know, lots of factors that have contributed to the success of Angus um, uh, in this country, but I guess the, the single factor really would be uh, is the is the demand for high quality Angus beef. It's um, uh, really driven the uh, uh, opportunities for breeders in Australia to uh, breed Angus cattle, and um, uh, and I guess the breeders themselves have also embraced that opportunity greatly as well. So the breeders, together with the market opportunities presented to them, really. We'll be touching on various parts of the success story as we go through this interview, but going back to the 80s, there were plenty of bigger and more popular breeds around. Then came, I think it was the Angus Breed Plan. What was that all about? So Angus Breed Plan has been, a, again, it's been a, um important part of the success of Angus. It's re- breed Plan has been the technology that Angus breeders have used to enable them to achieve rates of genetic improvement that have really um, been extraordinary, really, in this breed in Australia. So breed plan is, is, is the system that enables breeders uh, to um, submit performance data, um, and that performance data is coupled with, uh, back in the 80s, with pedigree information, but also more recently um, DNA information, what we call genomics information, to calculate estimated breeding values on animals to, to help breeders rank the best animals to use for, for breeding purposes. And I, be, I guess that's been the major influence ever since. You buy an Angus bull these days, you have and can offer a complete genetic history of that bull and its uh, performance capabilities. You're right. Um, the vast majority of Angus bulls that are sold in the marketplace, pleasingly, um, are well described with... Um, uh, genetic evaluation information um, largely through breed plan. Um, so uh, uh, that's probably, um, again, another factor that's uh, really contributed to the, to the success of the breed is that commercial bull buyers have got a lot of excellent information at their fingertips when they're selecting the, the most appropriate bull to use in their herd. I would assume that uh, record-keeping in those early days would have been pretty onerous, uh, but modern technology would have um, helped this process considerably? You would assume so, Kerry, but breeders these days tell me that it's, it's, um, we're, we're putting more and more demands on them to collect more information all the time. So even, even though they've got the uh, assistance of computers and um, uh, and modern communications technologies, uh, there's a lot of demands put on, on breeders, cattle breeders, to uh, collect information um, to enable the calculation of breeding values and, and provide information not only for themselves to improve their breeding decisions or help their breeding decisions, but also for their customers. So, yeah, back back in the early days, it was probably uh, 
pen and paper and it was hard work. Um, it's still hard work today because they're collecting so much more information today. Really. Indeed. Uh, the, the old notebook in the top pocket, I assume. Yeah, and I, I tell you what, most people still have a notebook in the top pocket as well because there's always <laughs> yes. little observations you need to make. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, you might go back and enter that in your computer later. Uh, in the evening, but uh, yeah, the old notebook and, and pencil still used. Yeah, Peter, what motivates Angus breeders to get into this um, this recording, this very uh, precise recording of details? It must require a unique type of discipline. Yes, you're right, and uh, and I think that's probably why you know it's, it's not everyone breeds Angus cattle because of of the increased demand by by the industry, I guess, on Angus breeders because of the reputation that's been developed. That, that those animals will come with a lot of information. So, I think at, at the end of the day, it's um, it's motivation to um, to breed better cattle all the time, and and um, use of information is just one of the tools. Obviously, uh, there are other tools as well, and um, the individual uh, judgment and skills of breeders to um, use visual appraisal as well are still very important. But I think it, it's just really that passion of cattle breeders, and I think this is beyond just Angus as well, but cattle breeders want to always strive to breed a better animal all the time, whether it's cattle or sheep or budgerigars. I think that's, you know, that, that motivation of people that are involved in breeding is always to breed a, a better individual than the previous generation. Another part of the success story, no doubt, after breed plan, you're among the first breeds to create a certification process, certified Angus beef which no doubt worked, but it's evolved with uh, changing times, hasn't it? When did certified Angus beef start? Well, certified Angus beef, the, the genuine CAB, certified Angus beef started in, in the USA. Um, yeah, to be at least 30 years ago. I could be wrong with that. It could even be 40, but it's... Um, so I guess we owe it to, really, to our um, friends in North America to, who've developed the concept of certification and, and, and branding, really, of, of beef. And sure, there was certified Australian Angus beef in Australia that started about 20 years ago, and it was um, it was very successful as well as a brand in Australia. It was probably, well, arguably anyway, one of the you know, the, the early success stories in branding of beef in Australia, and that evolved into a lot of proprietary Angus brands in developing. So the major processors of beef in Australia, the major exporters, developed their own proprietary brands, understandably. Um, and it, it got to the point where there really wasn't a need for Angus Australia or its subsidiary company that uh, that owned the, the certified Australian Angus beef brand to continue that brand because um, other proprietary brands basically overtook that system over time. Yes, they've got uh, individual corporates have got their own brand on everything now, haven't they? That's right, it's, and it's very important. It's been, it's been an important part of the success story of the export of of Australian beef, the export of quality beef, Angus beef as well internationally is that um, brands are very important because over time the customers get to uh, recognise those brands as something that they, they desire and they want. And um, um, I think the whole concept of branding beef um, has, has been an important part of the success story of, of beef and the export of beef out of this country yes, and, and it will continue to do so. Angus, uh, Peter, was the first steak I can re- recall having its name on the steak. That must have been a seminal moment in the marketing of beef in Australia because it's gone from there, hasn't it? 
Exactly, yeah. Yeah, so there's many fine restaurants you can go to in any capital city in Australia and you'll see uh, you'll see Angus uh, and, and other brands, but particularly Angus brands on the menu. And um, I, I think what what that conveys the message to the beef consumer or, or, the, or the, the people in the restaurants, um, the basic public and the, and the community that Angus beef, sure, it's, it's beef, but it's something a bit, a bit special because it's got a special name. Um, and um, hopefully it's going to give them a more satisfying eating experience. I think that manifested itself in one of the most successful marketing campaigns I've seen in Australia on beef, and that was your association with McDonald's with the Angus Burger. How did that evolve? And did it start with Macca's or did it start from you, the Angus Burgers? I understand that initially it was uh, started in America, but it uh, was much more successful here than in the United States. Yeah, well, it's quite, it was quite independent, actually, of what happened, any discussions in the United States. McDonald's in Australia, uh, was always, it was our um, the, uh, individuals, particularly an individual called Michael Pointer, who was um, heading up um, a subsidiary company of Angus Australia called Certified Australian Angus Beef, which, which we evolved to become Certified Angus Group. And it was a discussion between Michael and his colleagues and the executives at McDonald's in Australia. So it was decided it would be trialled. Uh, its initial trial was such an outstanding success that it, uh, that it continued, and it actually continued for, um, for over 10 years, that, that uh, um, verification of Angus beef going into McDonald's restaurants. And uh, it, was, yeah, it was very successful in that it, again, helped convey that message out to the general community that um, Angus beef is something a bit special. So you can go to a McDonald's restaurant and buy an ordinary hamburger, or you, if you want to spend a little bit more money and, and get something a little bit special, you get an Angus burger. So um, it certainly did uh, help spread the message in the community about the, the, uh, the fact that Angus is something a little bit extra, a little bit special. I understand the success or the demand for Angus burger was way, way beyond even the most optimistic uh, forecast and you actually had some problems getting supply of certified Angus beef in those early days. It was a challenge uh, in, in the early days, which was a nice challenge. Um, and, and that, again, helped provide a, a, a bit of a market premium, not only for the high-quality cups of Angus beef that you might eat in a restaurant, uh, but also for the for the um, secondary cups, if you like, that might be turning into, into hamburger meat to be sold in this trade. So, um yeah, it's, uh, it, the supply and demand equation clicked in and that resulted in high prices, high premiums for Angus cattle at all categories in the market and that's largely sustained until today. Time for a quick break. We'll be back in a moment after this brief message from our sponsors, Elenco Animal Health. Akatak Duo Star from Elanco provides knockdown and residual control of cattle ticks and ivermectin sensitive parasites. Applied early in the season, Akatak Duo Star reduces the buildup of the tick population and helps to prolong the life of effective chemistry. Give ticks and worms the flick with Akatak Duo Star. Always read and follow the label directions and ensure good agricultural practice for optimal parasite control. You're back with me, Kerry Lonigan, on The Grill, and our guest today, Peter Parnell. He's the retiring Chief Executive Officer of Angus Australia. Let's uh, talk about you and your background, Peter. You're born in the Hunter Valley, New South Wales. You went to Hawkesbury Ag College. Where to from there? 
Yes, actually, I, I, I did. Um, I was actually born at Tamworth and I moved to the Hutter with my, my family, uh, where we had a small farm. Um, I actually went to uh, the University of New England, not to Hawkesbury. UNE, that's got a pretty strong ag program there as well, hasn't it? It has. It has now, and it, and it did those many years ago, and I went to a real science degree as well. So um, so that's where I had my, my basic education in, in agriculture, and I worked for a little while after that, um, basically as an agronomist, um, and, but I, my passion was in animal breeding and in beef cattle, so I was very fortunate to be able to go back to, to UNE and um, uh, take up a scholarship to study a PhD in, in cattle breeding and genetics um, at the Animal Genetics and Breeding Unit um, under uh, Dr. Keith Hammond and Professor Stuart Barker. And um, those guys taught me uh, in my foundations of uh, applied animal breeding and genetics. And I, I think the, the main message I got from those guys is that... Um, yeah, genetics is a fascinating topic, um, and it's, a, it's applied at all levels. What their interest and my interest became was the, the very applied part of animal breeding, which can be rapidly converted into um, returns for, for cattle producers. So you finished UNE with a, a PhD in quantitative genomics. What, what was your long-term aim? Was it the Angus Breed Society, Angus Breed, that was on your horizon all the time or anywhere else? Uh, listen, Kerry, it was probably more my passion for um, for um, applied um, animal breeding and genetics and, and, and beef genetics. So um, the fact that I was uh, I became associated with Angus very early because even back then um, the forefathers of performance recording in in this country were Angus breeders, many of them, um, along with other breeds as well. But certainly Angus was a strong focus back in those days. I, I actually. Uh, then um, I got a job as a research officer, research scientist um, with New South Wales Department of Agriculture um, at a research station at Trangy, which became quite famous for, for its research. Absolutely, yes. Um, and uh, so I, I worked at Trangy uh, uh, on beef genetics research, which just happened to be with Angus cattle as well. So I became very familiar with the breed um, and many of the breeders, uh, so it became a fairly easy passage then to... Uh, become involved with the Angus Angus Society back in those early days. So genomics has all sorts of possibilities. Where is the industry headed with this technology? I think uh, genomics has really allowed us to um, uh, up the ante in terms of what we can achieve through through genetics more rapidly. And, And if you look at what's occurred in the dairy industry, for example, globally, including in Australia, We've seen some very rapid increases in their rates of genetic improvement through the use of genomics. Um, it, it, it allows really in the beef industry a bit of a paradigm shift. Perhaps that we can, rather than focus on performance recording and that hard yakka that we discussed before of record keeping, etc., we can achieve a lot of that in time. Um, and we're in that evolutionary stage now where we can achieve a lot of that through genomics, just like the dairy industry does. Um, uh, so rather than investing a lot of money in performance recording, breeders can now start investing money in genomics testing. But the key for making all that work, though, is that you need an, a reference population which enables um, the genetic evaluation system to be able to calibrate the genomics information um, with performance. So it's um, by clicking 
genomics information that's worthless unless we calibrate it well with performance data. And uh, so we have organisations like Angus Australia and, and a few others, uh, Wagyu also do it very well in Australia, where they have very strong uh, um, investments um, and commitment to um, reference populations, which enables us then to be able to utilise this genomics technology. And without that investment, it's, it's, genomics is not really going to work for us. I'm just thinking of all the attributes you can mention just off the top. I'm going to miss one or two here, I'm sure. Size, uh, fertility yield, beef quality, uh, performance, uh, carving ability. I'm sure there are others. Are you trying to create the perfect bovine? I'm sure, um, I'm sure the, um, the breeders out there are, are, have always been trying to create the perfect bovine, but the reality is, Terry, that there's always going to be genetic variation. So you might get what you think is perfect, but simply through genetics, the, the, the next generation of that animal that you might think was perfect might even be more perfect, and that's what you're always striving to do. So you know, there's strengths and weaknesses in, in all, all animals. Um, I haven't seen or heard of a perfect animal yet. Um, we may get there one day, but then there will be a change um, perfect for one person is not necessarily perfect for another person, or perfect today might not necessarily be perfect in five or ten years' time, you know, depending on changes in markets, changes in the environment. So we're, we're working in a, in a very dynamic space. Um, we're talking about you know uh, breeding cattle that's uh, ideal for our markets and environments. Can we discuss, Peter, the... Uh Remarkable association of Angus with the Wagyu cattle. It's delivered some extraordinary successes. Uh, how did that start? Well, Angus were, were established in this country uh, much earlier than Wagyu, so there's a lot of Angus cattle here. So we've seen in southern Australia when breeders who wanted to start breeding Wagyu cattle, they've used Angus as the base in, in many cases, in, in most cases probably, to, to help them to develop that breed. So... Really, the uh, you know the analogy between Angus and Wagyu is that both breeds um, focus, or breed breeders of both of these breeds of cattle focus on breeding high quality, um, high value meat, uh, um, and that, that's so important for the future of this industry. Our, our cost structures are such that we can't be producing and selling low value meat. We've got to be producing and selling high value meat to make uh, make make it work, make the economics work. In our industry, and, and, and hence there's a place for uh, high quality uh, breeds of just high, uh, high quality meat like like Angus and like Wagyu. Now, bull prices. I want to mention bull prices because I've never seen anything like it in this year. It's just remarkable. They're going up and up, up and up. Bull prices. Um, uh, is this sustainable? This constant elevation in prices. Which probably the, the question we probably should be asking is the, uh, the the constant elevation of prices of the commercial sector is, is that sustainable? And if that's sustainable, well, bull, bull prices are really just going up in proportion, or in, in fact, maybe not even in proportion with, with that. When we see the increasing value of the industry in commercial animals, um, breeders then have the confidence to invest in high quality genetics. So. Um, uh, we're seeing increased demand for the you know the, the very best genetics available, and, and that's purely um, a, a reflection of the greater health of the industry at the moment, the economic health of the industry. So, if um, if commercial cattle prices um, you know maintain their their current levels or close to that in, into the future, and really 
there's there's no reason why that can't largely occur. We may see some corrections, but I, I would be very confident that we're going to see a more um, a profitable industry in the, in the future in terms of prices received. Uh, that that will also be reflected in in the price paid for high poly, high value genetics, high quality genetics as well. Peter, a couple of topical questions to close. Uh, is Angus the Angus breed part of the green revolution that we're constantly reading and hearing about these days? I, I firmly believe that um, yes, it can be. I think beef production in general can form an important part of that. Um, you know, the beef industry. Several years ago, set uh, you know CN30 carbon neutral 30 as a target, um, rather than CN50 that that you know the, the we, we hear spoken about these days. The beef industry and uh, and Angus cattle breeders can form an important part of that. Obviously, uh, they might need to uh, do things a little bit differently than what they've done in the past, and that includes breeding uh, in, in terms of um, new traits for breeding. We, we we will see. I have no doubt in the future. Uh, social expectations that cattle breeders will be breeding for um, various things to reduce the environmental footprint of beef cattle. And um, that will invariably increase the cost of production, uh, which means that we're going to need to continue to uh, breed more productive cattle to uh, um, maintain profitability. So, yes, uh, the beef industry and and the Angus breed do play an important part in, in in that future uh, environment that we're striving for. It's a good phrase to use, uh, social expectation. Peter, any strong views on fake meat and what the industry is doing about it? I I think there's a role for plant-based proteins. Um, I'd prefer it not to be called meat, uh, certainly not called beef or chicken or, or, or pork, uh, but um, I think there's a, there certainly is a role for plant-based proteins. But at, at the end of the day... Again, it goes back to um, the early discussion about the importance of brands. If people understand what they're eating, that's what's important. And there always will be a demand for high-quality animal protein as well as what we might, what, what's called fake meat. So I think that, uh, one of the difficulties we have with animal protein, particularly beef, is the high cost of production. So it becomes a high-cost product. Um, so there will be, unfortunately, people in the community that can't afford that um, high-cost product over time. So uh, we need to provide them alternatives. Um, but there there will also though, be people, uh, not only in Australia but globally, who will continue to strive for high-quality animal-based proteins. Peter, I'm sure you are aware of the closure of the CRC recently, and we all know that CRCs have sunset clauses, but is Australia spending enough on beef research? Australia spends uh, probably you know uh, uh, more on beef research uh, relative to, to a number of other countries because we have an excellent system of um, government support for research uh, through Meat and Livestock Australia and, and through uh, uh, the matching of levy funds with uh, with government funding as well. We can always do more research. I think we've seen that the industry itself has taken a strong responsibility of paying its way to do that research. Um, so I guess I'm a very strong believer of the industry needing to uh, take that research, um, take responsibility for conducting that research and, and paying its way as well. Um, you can always argue that, um, that uh, government contributions continue to import, be important, and, and they are, 
Um, but uh, we, we can always do more research. I'm a strong believer of um, research and development as, a, as an important part of our future. Um, unless if we stop doing R&D, uh, research and development, um, our progress will pretty quickly grind or halt. So it needs to be funded. It would be great to see more government funding in research through cooperative research centres and things like that again into the future. They were very successful in the past, contributed massive amount of new information for the industry. Um, but again, as I say, I think the industry itself needs to, to take the main um, initiative uh, with conducting that research. Peter, I've pulled a quote from one of your speeches. I think it shows uh, how you feel about Angus, your involvement and its future. And here's the quote. Angus breeders have achieved rates of genetic improvement in profitability traits over the past 30 years that are unsurpassed by any other significant beef population globally. That's a big claim, but gee, I'm asking for you to endorse that now. I certainly would endorse it. I'd, I'd love to have to be also um, uh, determined independently of, of myself and someone involved with Angus Australia. But when, when I look at the uh, rates of genetic improvement, through uh, the trends in, say, our selection index trends and trends in estimated breeding values over time, and compare that with other beef populations, as, as you mentioned, in, in North America, in Europe, etc. Um, I can't find any that have achieved what's, what Angus breeders in Australia achieved. And uh, the fact that um, myself and my colleagues have been associated with, with that achievement um, is pretty humbling for us. But um, I, I think at the end of the day, it just shows that uh, cattle breeders in Australia have done an excellent job, and um, yeah, I, I, I'd, I'd love that. Res- that that's some research I conducted a few years ago, and it was published. But uh, I would love that to be uh, uh, validated independently by others as well. But I'm sure, I'm very confident that they will come up with the same result. That breeders in Australia have achieved enormous gains. There's certainly you can certainly argue that they could have done better, and we can do better in the future. Um, but the but the reality is that over the last 30 years, um, Angus breeders have done an extraordinary job in this country uh, in terms of achieving genetic improvement. Peter, retirement in just a few months, apart from the the odd medium-rare Angus steak, I suspect what's ahead? Uh, I've got a busy life ahead, uh, um, Kerry, in the next next chapter. Uh, My wife and I, uh, we're very fortunate to own a a few acres in the glorious New England, so um, uh, we have a strong passion to to leave that... uh, a country in a better state than what we uh, we acquired it in. So uh, we spent uh, a lot of time into land management, and we we've, we've got great plans for the future there. We we run a small herd of Angus cows as well, so we enjoy doing that. And uh, we also run quite a number of beehives, and um, we uh, we have a uh, objective to start uh, start breeding. Uh, Queen bees that breed colonies of bees that are very docile. Um, so, so we've got uh, we've got lots of things planned for the future. So whilst I won't uh, have the pleasure of working with my colleagues at Angus Australia, um, I'm, I'm sh- I'll certainly be uh, observing with great interest uh, the future of the beef industry and the Angus breed. Um, and I'll be a small player with my with our small commercial herd of Angus cattle as well. Peter, you've had a uh, remarkable career. Few, if any, would have had the influence on a single breed that you have had on Angus Cattle. Congratulations. Well done and a happy retirement. 
Thanks very much, Kerry. It's 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 been um, a, a very satisfying career. Um, I've been blessed with uh, being uh, meeting and being inspired by so many great people through my career. I can't take uh, much credit at all for what's been achieved uh, in the Angus breed. It's just been enjoyable, been part of part of the ride, I suppose, and um, it's been very satisfying. So thank you very much for your kind words. And thank you for joining me today. Until next time. I'm Kerry Lonigan and this is The Weekly Grill brought to you by Beef Central and our podcast partner, Elenco Animal Health. <laughs>